Welcome to Postcards from the Kitchen. I'm your host, Elaine Acker, and I'm glad you'll be joining me as we discover the people, places, and stories behind the food. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to introduce you to Stephanie Stuckey. Um, if you have heard the name Stuckey's before, and particularly related to road trips, uh, it is because her grandfather, W.S. Stuckey, started the Stuckey's brand back in the, what was it, Stephanie, the 50s? It was 1937, but we really wow, have started in the 37. 50s. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for people like me, we're remembering all the nostalgia from the 60s and the road trip, 60s and 70s. So that's, that is my frame of reference. So, Stephanie, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Elaine. It's my pleasure. Sorry, I had it on mute just for a quick second because there was some background noise. Okay, no problem. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. (sighs) Sure. Um, All right. So let's set the stage. Stuckey's was really big, like I say, in the hitting your stride in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And we were used to going on those road trips and seeing the, the white buildings with the blue roof and knowing that that was that was kind of a holy grail for kids. We yeah. had to stop. We got to check out the souvenirs. Um, who knew? I guess dad was filling up the gas tank, paid no attention to him, um, you know, hit the ground running. So that was the heyday of Stuckey's. And then at one point, the business was sold, correct, to a corporation. That's right. We had a couple of outside corporate owners. And that was really the right. downfall of the brand. And so the brand took a dive a little bit and fast forward several years later, and here you are, you have bought back the brand. That's right. And are kind of rehabbing the brand. So I can't, I can't wait to hear more about what's going on with this. So how in the world did you make a decision to do that? It was really quite easy because I loved my grandfather. And that's really why I did it. It was not a business decision. It was an emotional decision. But to back up just a little bit, you're being very gracious and saying it had been a few years. There had been decades of outside ownership and the brand, frankly, just being trashed. And mm. it's a bit of a cautionary tale of what happens when you sell, sell your brand. It's no longer your company. And that's what happened to my grandfather. And we had gone from, at our peak, 300 and 68 stores in 40 states to by the time I bought it, there were a dozen of those original stores left. The company didn't own or operate any of them. We only had the trademark rights. So they had to pay us a licensing fee to use our name, but that was it. And his candy plant was gone. His distribution center was gone. His trucking company was gone. And he had 4,000 billboards all over the nation's highway. All of that was gone. And I had the unexpected opportunity to buy it. So I wasn't, I didn't wake up and decide I want to buy my grandfather's company and revive it. I literally got a phone call one day saying, Stuckey's is for sale. Do you want to buy it? And what motivated them to sell it? (laughs) Why did they call you finally? It was six figures in the red. It was doing badly. It was a bad investment. They were losing money. Yeah. (laughs) A hot mess. The dumpster fire. And they're like, who will buy it? If, if, do you remember that? I think we were probably somewhat close in age. You remember that Life cereal commercial where 
they're, it's a family and they're eating the life. So the mom gives them the life cereal and they're like, who wants this? This looks healthy. He's going to eat this. And they're like, let's give it to Mikey. Like he'll yeah, eat Mikey. It. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm Mikey. I'm the one who was like, I'll, I'll try it. <laughs> so that was me. Wow. Well, I'm excited for you. I know this has got to be an enormous challenge. What do you think, um, what do you think is going to be the hardest thing, like in the next year? What is going to be the hardest thing for you? I'm actually past the hardest part, I think. Knock on, knock on wood. I got a table here. The hardest Tell me what the hardest part was. How to revive it, because I was very attached emotionally to what the company had been. And I think a lot of us are like people grew up in the 70s and maybe even in the early 80s would remember the stores and think of them as a really fun, special place to pull over and get a Dunkin' Bird or a pecan log roll or a rubber alligator or some fun thing. And we don't, we don't have those stores anymore. So I had to figure out what can I do to revive this brand and it it took me a year really of trying to to get that to crack that nut literally and what i arrived at is first i got i got two business partners i got one business partner and then a second and we bought a candy and pecan snack company manufacturing facility so we are reviving all of the pecan snacks and candies that stuckies made famous and if you if you recall, the stores always said con shop. So that's how we started as a yeah. stand by the side of the road. And we grew from that. So in many ways, we're getting back to our roots. But that was the hardest part was to figure out what it was that was going to work and make us profitable and then have to let go of what wasn't working. And what wasn't working, sadly, was the stores. And I still love those stores. And I love the dozen ones that are still standing. But they... Some of those stores have seen better days. And what what we're focused on right now is what we can do really well, which is making delicious pecan snacks and candies. I love it. Kind of back to your roots and what, what you did best. What is your favorite? What is your favorite pecan snack from the list? We just came out with a new flavor. It's called Sweet and Salty. And I absolutely love it. And I think it's because the palate is naturally drawn to that sweet and savory combination and you get them both at the same time and it just makes your taste buds come alive and we've been asking our plant manager for a while our candy plant manager to experiment come up with some new flavors the sales team and i consider myself part of the sales team in fact we're all if you're in business where you're selling stuff everyone in the company should be in my opinion in the in the business of sales so we have been literally hungry for new flavor offerings. And this one came out and he hit it out of the ballpark. We were just like, we love this. How quickly can we get it on the shelves? And pretty quickly we got the new packaging and it's we're starting to roll it out. Some of our stores are starting to sell the sweet and salty and it's on our website too. Now, so you mentioned the stores and you said that there are still 12 left. Yes. And so in the past, your grandfather had franchisees. That's right. And that was how the company was built. And so now you're thinking you're going to really focus the Stuckey's brand on the pecan products, correct? 
Yeah. And we're selling to thousands of retail partners through distributors. And then also we have a small distribution center ourselves. So we'll sell direct to some small specialty account, but the large growth is going through the large food distributors, especially those okay. convenience stores and grocery stores. All right. That makes a lot of sense. And if what I read was correct, you also had to um, get back in there and do some quality control on those products, correct? Well, we we weren't making the products. We'd been outsourcing. So that was the yeah. big game changer. And when you don't make your own product, and we co-pack for people. So I we're in the space where we are also making product for other customers. So I, you know, there's lots of good companies out there that make products for other companies, but it's still not the same if you're not making it yourself. I, I just think that it's really special when you make your own product and it's truly ours and we control all the ingredients. I know a hundred percent what's going in there because it's our factory. It's our manufacturing facility. And we hire the personnel and we know how they're treated and, and we control everything. And it tastes really good because of that. And so no disrespect to the co-packers we were using before, but we're making it ourselves now. And there's a lot of pride and, yeah. and love, really. There's a lot of love in what we're making. Yeah. What did you change? What changed um, for the formula whenever you, whenever I mean, you took it back? The most important and- thing to me is the ingredients. And I think the this is a cooking podcast, so y'all will get this. It's not, well, it's ingredients and it's also process. I mean, it's amazing to me. You can give the same recipe to five different cooks and it can come out very differently. Because everyone... The process of how you do things is really key. And we have a proprietary process and how we seal in the flavor in our pecans that makes them taste crispy and crunchy on the outside. And then they're moist on the inside. There is nothing worse, in my opinion, it's because I'm such a pecan snob, than a mushy pecan, right? And you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we've all had them. People, especially the holidays, and we're taping this during the holidays, people do like sugared and spiced pecans or, you know, they'll coat them with flavors. And that's a lot of what we do at our facility. And they tend to overcoat. Mm-hmm. And you want to lead with the pecan because unlike other nuts, I think pecan just has this natural buttery taste. It's a unique taste. So you want to complement that buttery taste. And you don't want to overpower it. You want to lead with that, that specialness that you can only get in a pecan and you want it to be fresh. So we get fresh crop pecans and we buy them from the farmers. We buy only Georgia pecans and I'm a little biased. We happen to be the number one place in the entire globe for growing pecans. And so I absolutely love pecans, yeah. and we've got some great pecan farmers here in Texas. Oh, but gosh, um, Texas, I will look forward to to Texas, the Georgia pecans Mexico. too. And and what's fascinating to me is like different states, you can really taste a different flavor and a different variety. So different people also have different preferences. I like the big desirable pecans, but there's also people who swear by the Elliot, which are these little petite pecans, and they're packed full of flavor. And so. 
that's one of the exciting things to me about pecans. I'm like, and I, I'm not an expert on pistachios or almonds, but pecans have 200 different varieties, more than 200 different varieties. And they really do look different, taste different, have a different texture. And so we really do, we take a lot of pride in the quality of pecans, the quality of the ingredients. We're using real vanilla, not artificial imitation vanilla crap. And the best chocolate. I'm very biased about our chocolate, but we use not compound. A lot of times you'll see chocolate confections that don't melt. If they Mm -hmm. don't melt, it's not chocolate. I don't know what it is. (laughs) It's not chocolate. Yeah, it affects that pecan flavor. I was just sitting here thinking, you know, you see like in wine, you you see you know the, it takes in the flavors of the environment and the you know the air and the how close you are to an ocean and and all of these environmental things that become part of this flavor in the wine do you think it's the same for pecans it is pecans do pick up they're very absorbent so you can't for example you can freeze pecans and they taste great up to 2 years so you can freeze pecans, but do not freeze them next to fish, for example, or put them in the refrigerator next to fish. And then you definitely need to put them in an airtight bag. So that's another thing we do that's related to the flavor of the pecan is how we package. We do a nitrogen flush. And I wish I paid more attention in chemistry class, but I know that you should <laughs> not have a lot of nitrogen in your product when you're sealing it for mass sales, right? And yeah. so in the packaging process, we have our main package that you will see on convenience stores and grocery store aisles is a thick and it's got a foil interior. So you're not letting light in and we're keeping oxygen out so that you keep it tasting fresh. Yeah. So when you open your product, when you buy, I mean, this there should be a lot of foodies listening. You got to yeah. have fresh ingredients and you got it. When you open these, this packaging at the store, there's a lot of care that's gone into making sure that by the time it reaches your kitchen or your pan when you're cooking, that it's going to be fresh right when you open it. So go ahead and eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't, I mean, yes, you can reseal it, but nothing like fresh food. Yeah. Tell me about your grandfather. Well, I knew him as my grandfather. I didn't know him as a businessman because he'd sold Stuckey's a year before I was born. And he died a week after my 12th birthday. So I Mm. I wish I'd known him better. I remember him being very kind and always working, always selling. He never went anywhere without pecan log rolls. Just anyone he would meet, he would give them a pecan log rolls like Elvis gave out Cadillacs. My grandfather gave out log rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Elvis made a bit more money. But he (laughs) he was very generous. He prided himself on knowing his workforce. It was not uncommon to have him at the candy plant. He, He owned a candy plant, which is sadly now shuttered. But he would be at the candy plant when the shifts were starting, greeting the workers by name shaking their hands as they walked in. 
So it was that kind of thing. He really knew people. He loved people. He loved building teams. He was very generous. Before it was really a thing to have employee-owned stock and stuff, he would give a lot of his employee shares in individual stucky stores. So his secretary, for example, had a share of a stucky store. I love that. Yeah. I just remember him being really kind and and giving me a lot of candy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't love having a grandfather who had a candy company? And even though he sold it by the time I was born, he remained active and involved in Stuckey's with the new ownership. He was head of the Stuckey's division of the the company that bought it. And he was still very involved with the candy plant up until I was like 10. And so I remember going to the candy plant with him. That that's a really amazing memory. That's a memory that's filled with taste and smell, not just visual. Yeah. That's so sweet. And it's funny because we were just there's been two or three of us that have been talking a lot about how how food is really part of relationships or how people get together or how people make memories and just thinking about him being outside that plant, greeting people and making memories around that candy. That's, that is so special. Yeah. I'm super excited about the movie Wonka that's come out because it just highlights and celebrates how special it is to be in the confectionery business. I really love it. And we do healthy ingredients as well. We have raw pecans and pieces and even meal. And I hope someday that as we expand, we'll be looking at Pecan milk and pecan oil, or at least partnering with companies that make that because I'm all about the the pecan. But I like being in the confectionery business. I think it's just a happy place and everyone deserves to treat themselves every now and then. Yeah. (laughs) Are you a road tripper? I am. So it's very much in the DNA of our brand. And Although we're reinventing it as a consumer packaged good, our heritage and our brand story is entwined with that of the road trip. So I love to take road trips and I talk about it on social media. And to me, it's bigger than just that actual getting in a car and going from point A to point B, but it's what the road trip represents. And a road trip represents freedom and fun and independence and exploration, which are fundamental American values. I just think it's like what it, what it means to be an American is that we have choice and how special that is. And so that's still, that's still part of our legacy. And here's the thing. If you take a road trip, it really is not a road trip unless you've got Stuckies in the car. I just I read agree. a survey and I can't remember where I read it. It was like Reader's Digest or something like that. And it said, what are the most important parts of a road trip? Over 40%, this was like the top response, was snacks. And that's the great thing about a road trip. You always have snacks on a road trip. You can't you can't yes. do a road trip unless you got some snacks in the car. And that's the time when you do something a little indulgent. You're like, I'm on a road trip, so I am going to go get some Twizzlers and a pecan log roll and maybe some Doritos and a Coke. You know, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have these little special moments that are really somewhat indulgent and fun. Do you have a favorite memory from a road trip? I loved going to south of the border. That was a fun, a fun memory. 
I think uh, another one is there's so many because we we were a road tripping family and we stopped at Stucky's like every other family and <laughs> we didn't we didn't own the company anymore so it was it was a weird experience knowing that our family was associated with it but we didn't we didn't own it so I didn't get to run in the stores and start grabbing things off the shelves at all <laughs> not that I think we ever would have but still it wasn't it wasn't ours but right we took one vacation when I was about 12 years old and my parents just took us to Florida with no plans, no itinerary. <laughs> we didn't have reservations anywhere. And they just said, we're going to drive. And when you see someplace you want to pull over, you let us know we're pulling up. And we went to Silver Spring. We went to this place called Six Gun Territory, which sadly is now a shopping mall and is destroyed. Wow. We went to Wikiwachi, Cypress Gardens, Marine Land. We went to we went to Disney World. And I remember Disney World was booked and my dad managed to finagle us a room. Oh. And we all crammed. There were five kids. We were <laughs> all crammed in one room, but he got us a room. It was it was so much fun. And we had the best time. And so we would just stay in these roadside motels. It was not an expensive vacation. That, that's the other thing. Road, road trips are like this great equalizer. Anyone can afford a road trip. And even if you're super wealthy, I hope, I hope if I'm ever like fabulously wealthy, I still enjoy taking a road trip and it doesn't cost a lot of money. I agree. I've taken a lot of really fun road trips and uh, I look forward to a whole bunch more. Yeah. Quick, quick speed round. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you several questions and we'll just go bam, bam, bam. All right. What is your favorite town ever? Tucumcari, New Mexico. It's just and? this time warp on Route 66 where they have these amazing classic motels that have been lovingly restored. And there's a great diner called Della's Diner. And shameless plug, there's a really cool retro souvenir place called TP Curios and they sell Stucky's candy. Oh, awesome. Yes. Uh, what food do you never get tired of? Well, pecans, come on. <laughs> never. Teed that up. You can what eat it in will... different ways too. You know, yeah. you can put it granola, you can put it on salads, you can crush it up and put it on top of meats. It's really great on fish and of course candies, but Pecans are just great and everything. Smoothies. Just eat it so many different ways. How about a food that you would never eat again? Well, I'm a vegetarian, true confession. So I, uh, I, although I say I'm a Southern vegetarian, which means if I go to a meat and three in a small town in Georgia and the veggies have been cooked in fat back, I'm going to eat them. But I, yeah. so I really, I'm not a, I'm not a meat eater. So we need meat. Okay. All right. And what is uh, a favorite recipe in your household? So many. I'm just trying to choose from, okay, my mom makes the best recipes. She calls them tea time tassies, and they're actually on the Stuckey's website. They're mini pecan pies, and a lot of people do them. I've seen them with different names, but she's always called them tea time tassies. But you get the the muffin tins that are small and you make individual pecan crust and then the filling is just like a 
of a compi. And it's just incredible. Melt in your mouth. So so we can find that on the Stuckey's website. The, yeah, said. it says Ethel and Stuckey's Tea Time Cassies. I will share that. And she still makes them. My mom is thankfully still with us, and she's still cooking them. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> what have I not asked you that I should have asked you? My favorite road trip snack, other than Stuckey's pecans. Do tell. Dots pretzels. Oh. I absolutely love those pretzels. And I also love the story behind Dots because Dot is a real person. And she is from either North or South Dakota, one of the Dakotas. And this was just her own recipe that she would always take to to potluck suppers with friends and church. And everyone always complimented her on them. And she started giving them as gifts. And then she started selling them out of her home kitchen. And she grew that from her kitchen to a nationwide brand. And she just sold to Hershey over a year ago. And reportedly, the figure was like a billion dollars. And she's an amazing success story. And I've seen interviews with her and she's just so down to earth. She's not, she's not like this person who's taken on air. She's just very humble and very authentic. And the other thing I like is she took a product that you see on the shelves every day that is very, it's really, really hard to break through the competition when the big players are like Snyder's and you've got these players who are just titans in the food industry. And how are you going to get your little brand on the shelves at all and then get people to buy it? It's an incredible story. To be able to do that breakthrough. And it's because, in part, it's one of the most delicious snacks. You, you just taste them and they're amazing. So she, she said, okay, I make a great pretzel. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So I love that. You can always make a better. I, I just finished Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And when he came along, everyone was wearing Adidas and Converse and like, we don't need another shoe, but he made a better shoe. So you can always come in and make a better product. It is possible, even when the competition seems so big and so good and so insurmountable. There are these brands out there that have proven you can do it. You can break through. And so for me, it's not just an incredible, fun road trip snack, but there's a whole story there that every time I taste a Dots pretzel, I think I'm celebrating this woman's story. Absolutely. And that's a great segue into, you know, you're a female entrepreneur. Dot was a female entrepreneur. um, And you just had some great advice. But is there any other advice you would share for women who are about to go on a similar journey to what you've been doing? Sure. Three words. You're not alone. Maybe that's four words. You are not alone. (laughs) But you're not alone. There's a whole community out there. And we are here to support one another. And I'll support anyone who's an entrepreneur, especially in the food business. I consider that my space. But absolutely, I know what it's like to be a woman in this industry. And so I have an affinity for other women who are trying to make it. And just as an example, I reached out the other day on LinkedIn to a female foodie, and she has a tequila brand. 
And I really admired some things she was doing online. And she was talking about how she does tastings and she doesn't know me. And I just reached out and said, I'm, I'm really admiring your journey. Would you give me 15 minutes of your time? And we set up a call and it turned into an hour and 15 minutes. And so, oh. so helpful, so generous, so giving with things that she's done to help promote her brand that are very helpful to me. And so I, I do that too. Like I pay it forward. So if you're a female in the foodie business and you're listening and, or, or a guy, (laughs) (laughs) but an entrepreneur. Guys can learn a lot from us too. Yeah, We're, we're on this (laughs) entrepreneurial journey together and here just. That's a wonderful thing. So I love following you on LinkedIn in particular. So tell people how to find you. Well, Stephanie Stuckey on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I kind of on YouTube. I have like 12 followers. I'm on TikTok and I I cringe every time I look at myself on video. And I think women of a certain age can appreciate that. But I just put myself out there because I think you just have to do myself. I can't afford social media. (laughs) You'll see me on there and I'm on Twitter. Twitter, I'm still trying to figure out, but I'm on all those. Twitter slash LinkedIn is the business space. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to connect with me in a business perspective, message me on LinkedIn and that's a pretty good way to reach me. And then also just if you go on our website, there's a contact form. And if you say, make sure Stephanie sees this, the our staff or our team member who monitors that will make sure I see it. Thank you for that. I love your generous spirit. And I love that you're reviving your family's brand. Thank you. And I just can't wait to see what you do next. Yes. So and we'll I've got a book coming out April to... 1st. All about the oh. journey. So tell me, tell me a little about find that. Find it on, online. It's on Amazon. Also, I'll give a shout out to independent bookstores. You can go on bookshop.org and pre-order as well. And that supports small independent bookstores. And you can pre-order. And it's not just my journey. It's my grandfather's journey. So there's a lot in there. It's a fun story, I think. I'll be first in line ordering that one. Thank you. Although I may need a signed copy. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be going all over. I'll be at a bunch of, I'm, I'm going to start doing foodie events. So I'm really excited. I'm probably going to be doing fancy foods this coming year. Oh, so are we, we're doing New York. Okay. I am signing up for Vegas right now to see how that goes. Just, just touring it. I'm not, we won't have a booth. I'm not speaking. I'm just going to get the lay of the land. All right. It's yeah, like a I whole experience. Wait. I can't wait. I feel like that's that's like Disneyland for me. Yeah, yeah we haven't been before either, but we uh, decided that we would go in New York oh, wow. to, in June to New York. So, so anyone listening, reach out to Elaine and I. <laughs> Some tips. Yes. Yeah, if you're going to Vegas, we, reach out to me. If you're going to New York, reach out to Elaine. Maybe I'll go. If Vegas, we want to know. Yeah, I might be in New York <laughs> if Vegas goes well. Yeah. Good. We have a plan. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me. And I'll be sure and share how to get a hold of you. And we will follow your journey as you go down the road. Thanks, Elaine. I appreciate it. Have an awesome day. 
Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Postcards from the Kitchen. Please subscribe and follow along as we discover the people, places, and stories behind the food.